Hallelujah. Come on. Can we give Jesus one more big praise and let's just honor him in this place. Jesus, we worship you. We honor you. We lift up your name, Lord. You're worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Thank you for your presence here and your word in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Man, what a joy and privilege it is to be with you here at Nairobi Lighthouse. Uh, once again, it's such a joy and such a privilege to be in the presence of God and to enjoy this time of worship and ministry to the Lord and be able to share with you. I just want to bring honor and just say that you have the greatest pastor in all of Africa. Just bless Don and Amy. Hallelujah. And uh, appreciate them so much and all the staff uh, that's here and everything that God is doing, man. It's just such a blessing to see. And uh, this worship team and and uh, Rebecca and Al, I tell you, I'm, I'm taking video and I'm going to be sending it back to the States. And I'm just going to say, do this and uh, send it to our worship team. And man, what a blessing, what an honor uh, to be in the presence of the Lord and to, to feel your heart for Jesus is so awesome and so powerful. And what a, what a joy it is to be here to share the word of God with you today. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Jeremiah chapter 29, Jeremiah chapter 29, and we're going to read verses 4 through 7. We're going to begin today in this, in this passage in Jeremiah because as I was reading it, there was something that jumped out at me that I said this is particularly uh, something that God has to say this morning, something that God has to say to every one of us. How many of you believe that God has a word for you today? Amen. God has a word for you, not just for the congregation, but for you as an individual. God wants to speak to your heart and he wants to stir your heart today and he wants to bring something fresh into your heart. If you've been discouraged, you know what I feel like today, there's some people in this room that have been disappointed. And right now in Jesus' name, I break disappointment off of your life in the name of Jesus that you felt like just somehow you're struggling in your walk with God and things haven't turned out the way that you thought they would. I want to say to you today, do not be weary in well-doing for in due season you're going to reap if you faint not. Hallelujah. God is going to work in your situation and minister to you. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, I want to talk to you this morning about you shall increase for and not decrease. Hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives, he that finds a wife finds a good thing. I say unto thee, young men, find a wife, hallelujah, and for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters, hallelujah. Here we go. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Come on, somebody. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Hallelujah. Thank God for His Word. I want you to think about this moment in Judah's history and Israel's history. 
They had been taken into exile by Babylon because it was punishment from God. But the prophet Jeremiah had said to them, don't fight against this. This is the hand of God. Go into Babylon. And so once they got into Babylon, then he began to prophesy to them and he began to tell them how they were to behave in a strange land. Now, how many of you know today that as Christians, we live in a strange land? As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 11 talks of people who were living in faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. How many of you know that you're foreigners and you're strangers to this world? We are not of this world. We are not of this place planet. We come from another kingdom. As a matter of fact, you are a plant from another kingdom. And God has planted you in a place where you are to bloom, where you're to prosper. You see, the children of Judah could have said, well, what are we going to do? We're only here temporarily. We're only here for 70 years, the prophet Jeremiah told us. There is a lot of bad stuff going on around us. As a matter of fact, Babylon is really a symbol in the scripture of, of hedonism, of, of ungodliness, of kind of the worst kind of ungodliness. And yet God puts his people in the middle of it. And when he puts them there, he doesn't say, now just hang out and just wait. He doesn't say, hold on and, and you know, uh, uh, just kind of uh, 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 wait for what's going to happen. No. He says, when you're in this land, I don't want you to decrease. I don't want you to back up and to back off. I don't want you to think, well, you know, it's, it's we're just waiting. Like some Christians today, they're just waiting on Jesus to come back. I tell you, I believe Jesus is coming back. There's no doubt about that. But when he comes back, I want him to find me working for his kingdom. He said, I want you to be a plant in this place. I want you to be a secret agent for me. I want you to demonstrate my power and my glory in the midst of a world that is crooked and perverse. You are holding forth the word of life in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And I'm here to tell you today, one or two things can happen. Either we can be infected by Babylon or we can infect Babylon today. We can be infected by the junk that's going on around us or we can realize that we have been planted wherever we are for the purposes of the kingdom of God. You have been planted where you are. And I just want to, the word I have for you today is bloom where you're planted. Bloom wherever you're planted. Some people say, oh, Pastor Murphy, you don't know how bad it is at my job. You don't know how ungodly the people are there. You don't know how terrible it is in my neighborhood. You don't know how awful it is in my community. You don't know how awful it is in my family and how opposed they are to the gospel. I have a question for you today. Why do you think God put you there? You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. 
And so your job is not to just look around and wonder, what am I supposed to do? No, listen, bloom right where you're planted. Begin to recognize that God has given you a ministry. You're called by God. You're called out to be different. You're called out to be a demonstration of His hand upon your life. You're called out to be a person who manifests the glory of God wherever you go and whatever situation that you find yourself. And the more dark it is, the brighter your light will shine. The more difficult that it is, the brighter your light will shine. The harder it seems for you to walk, the more Jesus Christ has the opportunity to be glorified through your life. Bloom where you're planted. I'm here to prophesy you to you today that in your life you're going to increase and you're not going to decrease in the name of Jesus. And I believe, I know that Jeremiah was talking about numbers, but I think it's more than numbers. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. It's a way of thinking that in the place that God has put me, I'm going to believe for God's grace and for God's hand and for God's help in my life, for His glory on my family, for His touch in me. And on this Mission Sunday, I want us to look at a church. I'm so excited about this church that we have in the New Testament that decided they were going to bloom right where they were planted. And in Acts the 13th chapter, we talk about the church at Antioch. I love the church at Antioch because the church at Antioch, number one, was multiple multicultural. Come on, somebody. In, in my church back in Mississippi, we're multicultural. We've got Hispanic. We've got African-American. We've got white people. And we come together and we begin to worship the Lord. It looks a little bit like heaven because the Bible says in Revelation chapter 7 that around the throne of God, there are going to be people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every language. Hallelujah. And I love it because I'm telling you, when there's only white people worshiping, it gets a little dull. I'll just be honest with you. Praise the Lord, you know. And so I like it when my folks start getting it on for Jesus. Come on, somebody. And they were a multicultural kind. Jerusalem wasn't quite there yet. Jerusalem church was still very Jewish. But in the church in Antioch, they had gathered all of these different people of different cultures. And many people know the church in Antioch because of the scripture in Acts chapter 13. Now in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean who had been brought up by Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. When they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now most people, if you've been around church, you're familiar with this passage of Scripture because this is the place where the Apostle Paul's ministry began. And these people were white hot for the gospel and the leadership got together and began to pray. And as they fasted, as they prayed and sought the Lord, the Lord said, set apart Barnabas and Saul. By the way, this is the only place in Scripture Saul is mentioned second. 
Because once he is launched, his ministry begins. From then on, it's Paul and Barnabas, or Paul and Silas, or Paul and Timothy. This little action right here, this little moment when they laid hands on them and sent them out, resulted in three missionary journeys, the result of which probably most of you and I are here today because of those journeys. This man wrote two-thirds of the books of the New Testament that you never know when you lay hands on somebody from Madagascar. Come on, somebody. You never know what's going to happen. When somebody comes in your church from India and gets saved and goes to Goa and starts setting up preaching stations all over northern India, you never know what's going to happen. Can I get a good amen? You never know when you say we are not just going to be interested about our own community, but we're going to reach the world. You never know what's going to happen. And the end result of 3,000 people getting saved and new churches being planted. Come on, somebody. That's what Mission Sunday is about, is thanking God for that. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for everything he's doing as cross-cultural ministry is happening around the world. But a lot of people don't realize there was something else about this church in Antioch. If you go back to chapter 11, you're going to find something very interesting there. Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19, we find out more about this church at Antioch. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out with, when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however... Men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw that the, that the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now I want you to see that before they became this great sending church, that here are these people who are white hot for the gospel. As a matter of fact, they've been impacted because they came from Jerusalem and the Jerusalem church taught the apostles doctrine. What was the apostles' doctrine? It's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 24 when he gathered with the apostles. And the Bible says he opened up their understanding concerning the scriptures, which was the Old Testament. And he began to show him how he would die and become the Messiah. And how the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ would be preached to all nations. That is apostolic doctrine right there. Now it includes a lot of other things, but the seed of it is we're going to reach the world with the gospel. Some how these guys got infected with it and they begin to go out and I can imagine them saying well this is we've had all Jews saved so far Pastor Nelson it was all Jews they said let's try it on some Greeks and so they went and began to preach to Greeks and Greeks said I want to get saved too and a great number of Greeks got saved and so this multicultural church is established because people who are infected with apostolic doctrine of preaching the gospel 
gospel are white hot for Jesus. As a matter of fact, this is the place they're first called Christians. It probably was not a complimentary term. They were called Christians because they were so white hot for God. People began to say, these people are like Jesus. They are like Jesus, probably because they had the teaching. One of the reasons is for a year they had the teaching of Saul of Tarsus or the Apostle Paul who would get up and begin to preach. I would love to have been into one of his meetings when he stood up and said, you know what, I persecuted the church. I was I was violent and passionate against the people of God, but I was on the road to Damascus. Come on, somebody. I was headed for Damascus, and all of a sudden the Lord Jesus appeared to me, and he he knocked me from my horse. I fell onto the ground and I immediately said, what is it you want me to do, Lord? And Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to press against the things I'm doing in the world. It's hard for you to press against the Holy Spirit. I think somebody was praying for Saul. Somebody was praying for him. And he said, I have called you. Listen, I want you to hear what the Lord said to Saul. I have called you out so that I can send you back in. Come on, somebody. I have made you separate. And these people at Antioch are hearing this word. You've been called out, not just so you can stay out of the world, not just so you can be clean and holy from the world. No, I'm sending you back to the very Gentiles I delivered you from. For what reason? So they may be turned from darkness to light, so that they may be turned from the ways of ungodliness to the ways of knowing me. I have called you for such a time, and I believe these believers in Antioch. They started hearing it. They started believing it and they started practicing it. Come on, somebody. White hot for Jesus. I want you to hear me in their own community. As a matter of fact, in Antioch, God established two platforms for the furtherance of his kingdom. In Antioch, God's provided two platforms for the furtherance of his kingdom. One, were people who would be sent cross-culturally. Paul and Barnabas, they're sent where? Wherever the Holy Spirit would lead them, they began to go. Uh, we heard a man from Macedonia. We go down to Macedonia, begin to preach. They began to go to Philippi. They began to go to all of these different places, Thessalonica. They began to reach out. They began to cross into other cultures. That's one platform of ministry. Can I tell you, it's not the only platform of ministry God has. Now, here's what I want to focus on today. The second platform of ministry is the local church where people in the congregation get fired up about God and cross into their culture with the message of the gospel. Where people realize God has planted me here. God has put me in the city of Antioch and it is full of people, Greeks and others that don't know the message of the gospel. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to recognize I'm a plant. I'm a secret agent for the Lord Jesus Christ. I have been put here and I'm going to bloom where I'm planted. I'm not called like Paul to go into the regions of the world. I'm not called. In fact, most people can't do that. Why? Because you have a mortgage and you have a family 
family and you have a job and you have a car and you have all of these different things that tie you down. You can't go to the nations of the world, but you know what? You don't have to go to the nations of the world because God has planted you and given you a circle of influence and put you among people who are just as needy of the gospel as those who were in the far reaches of the world. Can I get a good amen today? As a matter of fact, you are an emissary. You are an emissary of the gospel. As a matter of fact, I I didn't use the word ambassador for a reason. Because an ambassador always leaves his home country and goes to a foreign country. But an emissary can carry news within his own culture. You are an emissary because you are able to carry the gospel in your own culture. You're able to take the Word of God into the very place that God has called you. You see, the people who went to Antioch, you know what's interesting about this to me? You will find in Acts chapter 11, the message, and and, and Acts chapter 10 as well, that God called Peter to go to the Gentiles. Peter's an apostle. Peter's one who's been called by God to lead the disciples. He's, he's an impactful leader in the body of Christ. God calls him to go to the home of Cornelius. And then in chapter 11, he is defending that decision because he says, while I was preaching, the Holy Spirit came on them. You know, I can imagine Peter in this meeting saying, listen, guys, don't blame me. I didn't even give an altar call. I'm preaching in the house of Cornelius, and while I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on people, and they started praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. And, and, and so he said, and so God used him. But I love the fact that the guys in Antioch have no names. They're not apostles. They're not the ones that everybody would have looked to to say, you're the one who's going to spread the gospel. You're the one who's on staff. You're the one who's been to Bible school. Come on, somebody. You're the one who's done the stuff that you're supposed to do to get ready for ministry. No, these were just everyday believers. They got up in the morning and went to work just like you do. They had a regular day just like you do, but they had been infected with this message of the gospel that the name of Jesus will be preached. Forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Luke 24, 44 to 49, apostolic doctrine, Messiah will suffer, rise from the dead on the third day. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And so therefore, they they went out as emissaries, recognizing you have a special calling from God, just like the missionary. You're going to reach people, I want you to hear me, that no pastor will ever reach. Can I tell you that you are in contact with people every day who will never darken the door of Nairobi Lighthouse Church until you have won them to Jesus? There are people that no pastor can reach. I have a pastor friend in the U.S. who pastored in Colorado Springs for many, many years. And he had a man in his congregation who was a nuclear physicist. He worked at a top-secret facility, military facility in Colorado Springs. 
I mean, it's one of these places, I'm sure, where when you went to work every day, you had to go through the scanner. They had to scan your car. They had to see your ID, probably your passport. We got to know who this person is. There's top secret stuff going on inside of this place. He went to work there every day, and one day he came to his pastor and he said, you know what, he said, since I've been coming to this church, God has stirred me up and I feel a call to ministry. And he began to tell this pastor, this is my background. And he said, I thought I would just go back to my background where I, where I grew up in the faith and I would go to my Bible school there and I would pastor a church. And, and, and as he's telling his pastor this, his pastor says, why in the world would you ever want to do that? You are working with people every day that I will never reach. You are surrounded by people that the average Christian can't even get to. They are the top. They're the brightest. They're the best. And you have an opportunity to reach out to them every day. Why don't you just start ministry right where you are? This man began a Bible study, and pretty soon he had 15 or 20 people coming into his office for a Bible study every day. There were some of the top minds in the world that those folks may have never gone through the door of a church. They may have never uh, had an opportunity to reach out to the Lord, but because someone who was close to them, someone who had been planted, come on somebody, somebody that God had put in there as a secret agent for his purpose, began to reach out to them and they started getting touched and getting ministered to. He realized, I am an emissary. Each of us needs to realize that we have a unique niche, a people group to reach. That is our circle of influence. As emissaries, we're not going outside the culture. We're reaching into our own culture to find that unique people that God has given to us. God wants to give you a group of people to win to Him. Hallelujah. On a Sunday in our church about a month or two ago, we had a special outreach service. I said to people, invite your friends, invite everybody. And a man came up to me between services who works in another city, close by city. He's an older gentleman, and he'd invited someone, evidently one of his employees. And he said, he came up to me, he said, Pastor, he said, Today, I invited a 17-year-old girl into the service. She was here. And he said, you told us we bow our heads but it, it, to, to pray, but if we have invited someone, we can peek and see if they raise their hand to accept Christ. He said, I peeked. And she lifted her hand and accepted Christ today. This guy was walking about four feet off the ground. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about influence right where you are. You may say today, I don't know how to do this. How can I be an influence where I am? Well, can I tell you something? I'm so glad you said that because not only are you an emissary, but secondly, you are equipped. You are equipped. When the people in Jerusalem heard that all these folks were getting saved, they said, we got to equip these folks. So they send Barnabas and they send Saul and they began to teach them. You see, God has placed you here in this body for that reason. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to do what? To equip his people. Everybody say equip. Equip his people for works of service or for ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. Hallelujah. 
that you are coming into a place where you are learning, where you are growing, where you are being fashioned by the Lord. It's more than just receiving. Thank God that you're receiving. You know, there are two major bodies of water in Israel. I've been to Israel twice. There are two major bodies of water there. One is the Jordan River and the other is the Dead Sea. Do you know why they call it the Dead Sea? Is because it is totally dead. Nothing lives in it. I've been in it. Everything that gets in it floats because it's so full of salt. You know, the only difference between them is the Dead Sea has no outlet. It has no outlet. And you see, for us, if we have no outlet, if all we are is just receiving, then, 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 then life is not flowing through us. But God has sent you here, not only to receive, not only to be equipped, but to go out. God has sent you here because you're being equipped to touch the people in your job, in your neighborhood, in your family. You're being equipped. God has given you. Listen, we who are apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers, we are not the ministers. We're the equippers. You are the equippers who go forth and who do things for the kingdom of God. Can you imagine? Imagine having the Apostle Paul as your Bible study leader. I'd have loved to have been there when he came back and said, guys, listen, I have a confession to make. I was in one place and I began to preach and I hadn't been there a while in a long time. So I just kept preaching and I preached and I preached and I preached and I preached. And there was a young man named Eutychus who was sitting in the window and I preached so long Eutychus fell asleep. Come on, somebody. That's a long sermon right there. In fact, Eutychus fell asleep and the window was so big, Eutychus fell out of the window all the way to the ground and died. That'll kill your ministry right away. Can you imagine the newspaper headlines? Paul preaches them to death. But he said, I just went downstairs and I just began to pray for Eutychus and God raised him from the dead. How many of you know that'll extend your church service when somebody gets saved? Amen. And so he began to preach again. Hallelujah. And so imagine that power and that strength. You are equipped. You are an emissary. Lastly, you're empowered. Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my father's promised but say in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Most people think Jesus said go first. He didn't. First he said wait. Wait until you get the power. As you go, proclaim this message. Matthew 10, 7 and 8. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you have received. Freely give. What's the idea? As you go, take the empowerment of the Holy Spirit into your situation and begin to see God move. You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit for signs, wonders, and miracles. You have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do something that is beyond what you are able to do in your own strength. Why were they fasting and praying at Antioch? Because they understood, God, we can't reach the world by ourselves. So what did God do? God raised up a Paul. That's all. He just raised up a Paul. Come on, somebody. You know what I, you know what I think? Many of you have heard the story about my father. My father had a third grade education. He went through five years of school to get three years of school done. 
And so by the time, you know, the problem is if you're in standard three and you're shaving, it's a little bit embarrassing. Come on, somebody. And so he, he had a very difficult life. He was beaten by his father and, and, and he ran away and he joined the Navy. And through a miracle with my mom, my dad got saved. But when he got saved, he felt called to preach. He didn't know how to read. So in a service, God gave my dad the ability to read sitting in a service. Instantaneously, he knew how to read his Bible. And so God did an incredible miracle, yes. But let me tell you something. My dad, uh, he, he, had a, he had a struggle with the English language, much less learning Swahili. He was very, from, very much from the country. We would have said, if you, if you knew my dad, you would have said his country is a mud fence or country is a stick, as we would say. Very, very, very what we would consider educated. I can imagine when the father in heaven is having a conversation and he says, I need someone to go to Kenya. I think I'll call Clarence Matheny. I can imagine the angel saying, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, heavenly father. I know you're all wise and I know you have all understanding, but have you heard his English? He never learned. I remember standing in services with my dad and the congregation would be singing, and he'd be saying, watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. I can see the angels saying, of all people, are you sure he's the one? God said he's the one. Hey, I want to remind you angels of something. Don't you know that I said through my apostle Paul, I choose the weak things of the world. I choose those things that the world says it'll never work. I do it so that I will get glory. I do it so that I will be glorified. I do it so that when I'm done, everybody will say, look what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't matter what kind of situation you're in today. You may be feeling right now, I'm not up to the job. I don't know how to witness. I don't know how to reach out. You've got an empowerment from the Holy Spirit that is greater than any education. It is greater than any investment that can happen in your life. In fact, God takes every investment and he multiplies it a thousand times by his power and by his grace and by his glory. I close with this illustration. There was a nanny in El Salvador. It's a true story. In El Salvador, nannies work. They have one day off every two weeks. They work 24 hours a day. And she was, had been working and it was her day off the next day. But that night, the church had an all-night prayer meeting. She left the house where she took care of kids and went straight to church and began to pray. And God spoke to her and said, go back to work tomorrow. So she went back to work the next day. She felt something stirring in her spirit and said, take the kids to the park. She went and got the children and then she went into a room. She was a very trusted member of this, that were, of this household. There was a room that had a box in it that had jewelry and cash and important papers. She went and got that box. She went next door to the nanny next door and she said, I think we need to leave. And the nanny said, you Pentecostal spirit-filled people, you always think you're hearing from God. Leave me alone. So this nanny left and she went to the park with the kids. While she was gone, there was a 7.9 earthquake. 
the missionary that, that told me about it said I was shaving in the building and the building jumped three inches off the ground several times. And so when this nanny came back from the, it took her a while to get back from where she was because there was so much disturbance, emergency vehicles. When she got back to the neighborhood, the parents were standing in front of the crumbled house. The mother was going through the rubble, weeping and screaming, looking for her children. And one of the neighbors said, turn around and look. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. And when she turned around, there was the nanny with her two kids. She reached in the side of her purse and she pulled out the strong box and she handed it to them. How many of you believe there's something about the spirit of God in the life of a believer? And it doesn't have to happen at a miracle crusade. And it doesn't have to happen on a Sunday morning. As you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Come on. Freely you've received, freely give. Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus some praise and let's just honor the Lord right now. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you. God, we thank you right now. You've called us. We are your chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you've called out of darkness into your glorious light. So we thank you today, Father, for your presence in this place, for your glory. Lord, I just pray right now that your grace will cover every person in this room, that God, your glory will come upon every heart and every life, that right now they will begin to ask themselves, what can I do right where I am? How can I be effective for the kingdom of God in the place to which you've called me? Oh God, you have made me an emissary. Oh God, I am equipped. Oh God, I am empowered by your spirit. We open our hearts for all you desire to do through us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.